turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chatting to have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. The market was up yesterday, then it was down, then it was up again. Today it's down big. Who knows where it goes for the rest of the day? Who knows where it goes tomorrow? Negative dispositions. The negative disposition. Just the disposition coming soon. Uh, the negative disposition stems primarily from a noticeably weak performance by European equity markets, uh, which have been kind of sidetracked by the whole Volkswagen scandal. Uh, commodities are just, they're not looking good. They're looking anemic. Freeport, MacMoran, Copper and Gold, $10 stock. That's crazy to me. I don't own any. I don't care. But when I see that, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty low for a legitimate copper and gold mining kind of play. Um, so I, I think like the whole Volkswagen thing, pow, right to the stomach. Hurts a little bit, but I think there's also this kind of concept of, aren't we, uh, isn't there some sort of economic weakness out there? Like, we're not really talking about it. Maybe we should be. But we're not. Right now, it's like, uh, let's talk about China's growth. Let's talk about everything except what we should be talking about, that there's some economic growth concerns out there. With that said, trying to help you out with economic growth concerns, um, I'm giving away some passes right here, right now, for Disney on Ice, Dare to Dream. Uh, please, if you've ever won a contest with uh, KDOW before, don't call. One giveaway per day for the next basically six or seven days, and I'll probably double up on one of them. So if you absolutely positively want to go, let me know. Uh, the caller right now, first caller, receives a family of four, pack of complimentary passes to Disney on Ice, and you get to choose if you want to go to Oracle Arena between October 7th and 11th, or the SAP Center in San Jose between October 14th and the 18th. Disney on Ice presents Dare to Dream, presented by Stonyfield Yo Kids Organic Yogurt. Good family entertainment. You know Disney's going to put on a good show. You know that. So first caller, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. And if you want to come on after you win and just say thank you, that would be lovely. 
I absolutely won't embarrass you. With that said, let's bring in my friend CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CF Chad Burton. Hello, Mr. Burton. Hello, Mr. Black. We were talking during, what were we going to talk And we're going to talk about education and incomes and how they collide, uh, especially heading towards retirement. What's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, if we talk about it in terms of, you know you have enough to retire. Okay. You know, you know you're on track. Um, what's an easy way to realize that if you have, you know, plenty of cash and you're basically just living off your Social Security and the dividends from your stocks, yep. and that's even more than enough, even most of your dividends you're reinvesting, yep. you have more than you need, Good. right? You're, yeah. you're in great shape, you're spending what you want, and you know you're going to be leaving assets to kids. Mm. So then you get to think, start thinking about different things. Um, and it's really important to look at your overall family situation and, and do tax bracket management when it comes to your investing. So one of the things that you look at is, is I gave an example uh, on the show yesterday on the 1 o'clock show about, uh, you know, let's say grandma has a $200,000 IRA. She doesn't need it. She's taking minimum required distributions from it. That's kind of a nuisance. She's got a lot of extra cash on the sidelines, and she's not that high of a tax bracket. So she decides to convert the IRA to a Roth IRA, right? Okay. She has to pay the taxes out of somewhere else, but her idea is she wants to leave it to her granddaughter. And uh, so if she's 70 years old, and even if she gets like a 5% rate of return in 20 years or so when she passes, that's going to be over, well over half a million dollars. Nice. Nice grandmother. In a, in a Roth IRA. And in a Roth IRA, you don't have to take required minimum distributions. So it just compounds tax-free for, for whoever you leave it to. It sounds like a Mitt Romney kind of deal. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, what's so great about that is that if – you name the beneficiary the right way. When grandma dies, granddaughter can roll it into an inherited IRA, Roth IRA, an inherited Roth IRA. What does so, grandson do that was so wrong? Well, so you know, just only child. Okay, okay, um, okay, fair. I, I could make up another story, like died in a bad car wreck, motorcycle. Usually a motorcycle versus a car. That's not funny. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you hear in the Bay Area all the time. You know, I had an eight-year-old cousin die in a motorcycle wreck. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. So. Anyways, moving on. So, so granddaughter and it's it's an inherited Roth IRA. And the the process for that, they actually it, it's fairly simple. You have to work with people to make sure they know they know how to do this. But once granddaughter inherits it, she she has to pull out a little bit each year based on her life expectancy. But a yeah. thirty year old, that's a very small amount. She can pull out more if she wants to. So if she needs the money to go back to college, to buy her first house, she can pull lump sums out totally tax free. And make it last all throughout her retirement. And even the requirement of distributions are typically less than the growth rate. If, you know, if the market is, does what it's done in the past, um, you can make them last multiple generations. So here's a story for you. Talk about multiple generations. Do you know who I'm related to? My aunt is? Your aunt. Uh, uh, Shirley Temple. Black. Shirley, Shirley, Shirley Temple Black. So her husband was an orphan. My, uh, my dad was an orphan. My dad's sister was an orphan. So she, her, her, so wait her, a the ones so they got adopted into the family. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> he got adopted. Her husband Charles got adopted by the richest guy in California, basically PG&E money. Was it Daddy Warbucks? It could have been Daddy Warbucks. Because <laughs> this sounds really familiar. That's who she ended up marrying. Was orphan son of Daddy Warbucks. Oh. Daddy uh, PG&E in this case. My dad never got adopted. Talking about, I was this close to being the son of a wildly famous, wildly wealthy person, and I got my dad. <laughs> Sucks to be me, huh? I don't know where to go with that. Charitable remainder trust. <laughs> I know, I know. Charitable remainder trust. Oh, yeah, this is my favorite type of planning. 
Really? Absolutely. I love. What's I your love favorite charity? Um, gosh. Well, one of one of my favorites I like um, for a global one is Heifer International. Okay. Um, for local, I love Sh- uh, Shriners Children's Hospital. They do amazing things. They do. The heifer is the Bill Gates one that you can give a cow to a someone and they'll actually get milk out of it. Yeah, not just a cow. You buy them goats, chickens, and things like that. And so we used to give out, you know, and back in the oh five years ago plus, you know, at the holiday time we'd give gifts, gift baskets, and to clients and you know Thanksgiving time things like that. And we realized that this just doesn't, you know, big deal. People get, I get four or five of those in the holidays from various people that I work with. No one ever gets Attorneys, CPAs, things like that. I'm not liked. So we decided to take that money plus times two and then just give it to Heifer on on behalf of our clients uh, each and every year. And it does a heck of a lot of good. And I think people appreciate it a lot Can you do it on behalf of Rob Black? Like... Yes. Just so I could get some charitable name going out there. Yeah. I'm all that in a bucket of chicken. Okay. Okay. So I got. Let's do the rest of the events. Just have people write the check directly to charity for the rest of the year. That'd be great. Let's do it. So the problem is people don't have checks anymore. (laughs) It's true. Let's (laughs) let's have them app it. I know people would get so concerned about doing stuff online, but uh, more of the fraud for money is on written checks that get washed. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. General Mills top profit expectations helped by cost reductions. That's poor quality of earnings. You can beat earnings, but you want to do it with revenue boosts and not necessarily employ cuts, if you follow me. Oil falls over 2%. Uh, Volatility has picked up this week. The outlook for crude has been muddied by data pointing at the market possibly having stabilized after losing more than half its value in a year. There's a huge global surplus right now. I think we have a winner on the contest. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's go through the headlines of the day. Oil stocks uh, getting hit as the price of the commodity itself down about 3%. Volatility has picked up this week, but this is a global clobbering. Uh, There's evidence the U.S. shale production is starting to feel the pinch of oil prices near six-year lows, which has prompted the International Energy Agency to issue more bullish forecasts for the market balance next year. I filled up yesterday at $3 and a penny, which to me is heavenly low. Now, I've seen prices as low as $1.75, $1.75 in Tennessee, but who wants to live in Tennessee? I wouldn't volunteer to live in Tennessee. Let me see if I can get a rubbish out of that one. I wouldn't volunteer to live in Tennessee. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Amazon has cut price of Prime membership for one day to $67 to celebrate Transparent, the Emmy wins. Um, Transparent is a show that debuted in 2014. It stars Jeffrey Tambor. Um, hey now. Hey now. Hank from uh, the Gary Shandling Show. Um, as a transgender parent. Transgender's in right now, huh? Amazon has been beefing up offers and services to attract subscribers to its Prime Loyalty Club. Most recently, it gave members free online access to the Washington Post and has been expanding same-day delivery options as well. Groupon's cutting about 1,100 jobs, most of it internationally. I think this is a good thing because a lot of companies came public that shouldn't have come public. They got money that they didn't necessarily need, and now they're learning, like, hey, there's really not a lot of demand. Uh, we need to focus on in the United States or closer to home, per se. So it's going to sell a 46% stake in its South Korean business. The company said any cost savings from the structurings were expected to be immaterial in 2015. Groupon said it would reinvest uh, cost savings in subsequent years into the business. Every model that Apple's iPhone success is already sold out. I think this is going to be a very good quarter for Apple and next quarter as well. I think there's some uh, upside that people are not counting on. Remember that over 75% of phone users still haven't upgraded to past iPhone 5 yet. Um, Netflix fails to win Hollywood's affection. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the Emmy Awards, uh, Netflix just garnered two Emmy Awards. They took one for Outstanding Supporting Actress and an Outstanding Guest Actor for House of Cards. Uh, Amazon did relatively better, getting 12 nominations up from none a year ago. HBO got 126 nominations. Man, does Hollywood love uh, HBO. AMC got 24. Mm -hmm. The Swiss watch exports are falling as the Apple Watch has dented low-end demand. Shipments declined to 1.6%. Not too bad. Exports of watches with wholesale prices less than 200 francs fell 13%, while the 200 franc to 500 franc segment plunged 24%. So the Apple Watch has put pressure on the low- and mid-tier segment of the Swiss watch market. I just like saying franc. I like the way you say that. Volkswagen CEO is out. Um, another one bites the dust, and another one's gone, and another, you lose 20% of your market value, and the board of directors are going to fire you, especially since they had software installed in their cars, uh, diesel cars, to basically cheat testing of emissions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan got a big win. The shareholders had to vote whether or not to let him be both chairman and CEO. Uh, some companies don't like having the CEO be chairman because isn't the chairman supposed to be kind of litmus testing the CEO, kind of? Goldman Sachs, Lloyd Blankfein, J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon, Morgan Stanley's James Gorman all hold both CEO and chairman titles at their respective banks. Apple's targeting 2019 for an electric car. Um, beep, beep. Beep, beep. That's my Apple. Wouldn't that be great if Apple comes out with a car and this is what their horn sounds like? That would be awesome. It's cutting edge. It's beautiful. It's stylish. 
it's sitting behind you in a red light, and the red light turns green, and the apple car goes. Oh, it's just a buzzkill, isn't it? Anyway, um, so Apple is looking at 2019 for a car. The go-ahead for the company came after spending about a year looking at feasibility. They've hired experts in driverless cars, but the people familiar with Apple's plan said the company doesn't currently plan to make its first electric vehicle fully autonomous. That capability is part of a product's long-term plans, and obviously they're going to charge more for it. See, they have an upgrade cycle there as well. Um, building a car is a complex endeavor, even more so for a company without, with no experience. Once Apple completes its designs and prototypes, a vehicle would still need to undergo a litany of tests before it could clear regulatory hurdles. Um, so is this a ship date for a car? I know, I'm just so funny today. A ship. Okay, that one failed. That one failed bad. Uh, anyway, um, the global market for electric cars has been weak because of low gas prices and concerns about vehicle price and battery range. Uh, to date, Tesla and Nissan sell two of the best-known high-volume battery-powered vehicles. But volume is just a sliver of the industry's 85 million annual vehicle sales. Apple's ramped up hiring pulling in veterans from the industry, as well as battery machine vision experts. Uh, Gene Munster said in a research note last week, the chances of make Apple making a car are between 50 and 60%. He said he expects any Apple car to have three distinctive features, a unique design, the ability to work with Apple devices, and some sort of autonomous capability. I think that's fair to say that it's going to be a high-end product um, because Apple doesn't really cater to the low end. Starbucks is launching Don't Wait for Your Frap app all across the United States. Starbucks is a tech company, and they get mobile probably as well as any company in the United States. Uh, Starbucks is allowing its customers the ability to use a mobile order and pay app at nearly 7,400 stores in the United States, setting the table for it to turn its attention to delivery. (laughs) Delivery. Um... They say mobile payments count for about 20% of its sales, and everyone who goes to Starbucks on a regular basis should put the app on their phone. It makes life so much easier. Um, Starbucks is going to go down in history as one of the first quick service restaurants to be an early adapter of mobile payments. They began testing with mobile barcode sales in 2010 and first tested mobile ordering and payment late last year. So I like what Starbucks is doing. I think it's a a perma-buy. Uh, as long as you continue to buy it every year. I know. I know! Toot toot. Yeah. Beep beep. Is this not the coolest song? Just for that line alone. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com. It's the first place I stop, and I read the page one column each and every day. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well, thanks. Good to be back with you. Good to have you back, especially when the markets are down triple digits. What's going on? Um, a lot of a lot of the same, frankly. I mean, it's not... Okay. Uh, all that much out of line, I, I think, with what you and I have discussed for weeks now, and that you just have a market that is simply on this roller coaster ride, and it, you know, is uh, one day to the next is is just kind of the, the opposite of the prior day. It seems like you get one day up, one day down, but um, underlying it all seems to be you know concerns about the global uh, growth outlook, which I think are are legitimate. Um, and uh, but the market is just trying to figure out, um, you know, what comes next. Do you get a deepening of the uh, of the weakness, or do you get uh, things stabilizing and then uh, the acceleration that so many people have been calling for and hoping for for a while now? Um, and I don't think, uh, based on what we're hearing from central bankers necessarily, that there's a lot of confidence right now. Uh, in the idea that you're going to get that acceleration. Where do you think the Fed goes in the final three months of the year? Because they didn't do anything last week, and it's honestly got me just mad in my head because it's kind of like Greece. No more stories about Greece. Like, I can't take it anymore. Can we do yeah. more stories about the Federal Reserve and when they or won't they? When they or won't they? Um, I need to get this resolved. Help me. Yeah. <laughs> So right, Rob. I mean, I think uh, I'm exasperated like you are, and I think everyone's exasperated with this whole question of, you know, what's the Fed going to do and, and when? And um, and they've created this mess, frankly. Um, you know, I think what we heard out of that last FOMC meeting was, was frankly, kind of ridiculous. Um, uh, I had made the case on briefing.com in a big picture column that this quote, data-dependent Fed uh, had a reason to leave rates unchanged, okay? So it wasn't necessarily um, put off by the fact that they did not raise rates at that meeting. But the message in the press conference from Fed Chair Yellen with her uh, on this idea that, you know, the majority of members continue to expect a rate hike before the end of the year, at the same time, she's pointing out how their central tendency projections have all been lowered for real GDP and the PCE inflation outlook. It just was maddening, really, to take that all in. Uh, and I think that uh, it's another real source of frustration here that lends to this volatility when you have the data that is not living up to expectations and you still have the world's most important central banker coming out saying, but we're, we're likely to raise rates. You know, and that's creating some concern, uh, understandably so, that the Federal Reserve is going to act prematurely and potentially uh, crimp any uh, vestiges of a you know this accelerated recovery in the U.S. before it actually comes to fruition. And so, um, it's just really, really maddening, as you say. And uh, until there's some closure on what the Fed's doing and whether the market actually believes in what the Fed is doing, right? I, I don't buy this whole idea that if the Fed raises rates and says, hey, we're feeling great about the outlook, 
even though the data is not necessarily supporting it, that the market is just going to, you know, agree with them and, and uh, be so gullible as to, to think that everything is hunky-dory just because the Fed, you know, says it is when it, you know, the data itself is saying it really isn't. In the world of rock, paper, scissors, I could throw in the Fed and uh, energy. Energy prices trump the Fed in my book, and we're not talking about energy prices until the third question in this interview. Uh, energy prices are telling us the world's struggling right now economically. Is that the truth, or is that just an assumption I'm making? No, it is the truth, and you know you can lump in a number of other commodity prices as well. Copper being another one uh, that's a main, right. uh, you know, uh, leading indicator for industrial demand. I mean, I mean you know, copper prices haven't been doing all that swell, you know, either. And um, and I think that that's what um, you know what we the market itself really found hard to embrace earlier in the year. And when you saw the the the, the downturn in commodity prices, uh, a lot of people just pinned it on this. Uh, and it being more a case of too much supply rather than, you know, uh, much weaker than expected demand. And what you realistically have now is too much supply with weaker than expected demand, and that's not a good combination. And you've seen, uh, I think, really the, the commodity markets sort of uh, act as a harbinger of the difficulties for the stock market here, um, uh, certainly of late, but also, you know, why – even before we saw this, this you know, big downturn since late August, um, earlier in the year where it was struggling, uh, because those uh, the downturn, the, the sharp selling of the commodity market, just didn't reconcile with that viewpoint that the U.S. economy is going to be hitting escape velocity and that uh, you know other developed economies are going to be riding its coattails. Uh, I think right now that there's uh, concerns here that what's going on in these other developed markets uh, is going to potentially drag down the U.S. or certainly keep the U.S. from living up to its full potential. And so there are understandable questions about equity valuations right now and uh, earnings prospects. Uh, And, again, it's just another headwind right now for the market that's pinning it down and essentially uh, leaving people more reluctant than they have been in the past to go in and buy on these dips. I'm not reluctant to buy typically 26 weeks out of the year. Like, I'm not reluctant. I, I, I do my 401K. I keep it business as usual. On occasion, I'll start the year, and I'll go, okay, this looks like the U.S. might have a trouble year. I'm going to cut down my large caps and focus on my small caps. If I think the U.S. is going to have a good year, but the world was bad year. Um, how much tinkering should be, people be doing going into the end of the year and the start of next year? And is there any advice you would give us in our 401ks, like, hey, don't forget about REITs or don't forget about small caps? Or what advice would you give your, I guess, your cousin right now if she were to ask you, what's up with uh, my 401k? Yeah, well, with a 401k, we go ahead and, and grant ourselves this uh, the idea that it's it's long-term money, right, that you're, you're setting it aside and building a nest egg for the longer term. I think the message to be communicated is, um, uh, despite what you're seeing these sharp losses in you know foreign markets, um, it could be potentially a very good um, reallocation opportunity that's uh, availing itself here, right? Because you want to buy low and you want to sell high, and um, you know think of these things in, in terms of as if you were um, you know going out to a retailer, right? 
Uh, are you going to be excited to walk in the doors when the retailer is saying, hey, we're selling everything at full price? Or would you be more inclined to walk in that door if they have a sign out there that says, hey, 30, 40, 50% off, right? So, um, you know, these things are cyclical in nature. Um, the picture right now is not looking all that great. But eventually, I think you get a combination of fiscal, monetary, and structural improvement that helps turn the tide in some of these markets. It can be a multi-year process, but you start scaling into those uh, weakened positions right now and have some patience, and it should ultimately pay off in the longer term. Speak with, with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist, Briefing.com. Is there anything that you want to bring to our attention that you're working on, anything that's non-Fed-oriented, anything that kind of gives us some insight into your, your thought process? Well, you know, again, we keep coming around and like started off this interview. We were saying that the market is trying to figure out, you know, where, where is what's coming next? You know, is this economy, global economy, going to stabilize and accelerate, or is it going to eventually, you know, turn even lower? Uh, so I'm watching these data points. Tonight you're going to get the, the flash kicks and PMI reading out of, out of China, which has been very problematic for global markets of late because it's continued to point it to a contraction in the manufacturing sector there. Uh, with a reading below 50, um, and I think that that's uh, in the very immediate term here going to be the key number to watch that will set things up certainly for uh, for Wednesday. So we continue to watch this data because it does uh, play into everything that's central bank related and the uh, the policy initiatives that are being embraced uh, by central bankers. Going into next year, let's just say the Fed does raise interest rates by the end of the year or first quarter. What do you think the market will look like will it be financials working will it be energy like what's the ramification of going into next year with a higher interest rate even if it's from zero to one quarter of a percent which is still troublingly low sure it well i think that the financials are just chomping at the bit for the for the fed to uh, to raise interest rates um looking to get some some you know loan spread there that it hasn't had in a while and so uh, if it has a reason to think that the Fed is starting to normalize um, and, and that rates will even will move higher, albeit gradually, um, that should should lend itself, uh, you know, favorably for the financials, um, which have been just you know kind of stuck in a rut on this in this you know ZERP policy. Um, so that'd be one area to look for. But and then in general, you could have a broader market rally if. The market really does believe that the Fed's raising rates for the right reasons, and specifically if there are true signs of economic, sustainable economic momentum. That would be a good thing because you'd start seeing some um, encouraging signs as it relates to the earnings outlook, and the market would be more uh, embracing of that, that point of view that earnings should be accelerating and that you can justify some of these higher valuations. So um, that's what we need to be watching. Thanks very much. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. That's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a very reliable, great source of financial information, ranging from everything from the economy to investing to stories, much, much more.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black. I still enjoy doing this. I won't forever. Um, My goal is to get you to retirement. My goal is to give you content to think about, to consume, to work with. Healthcare providers, for instance, are supersizing. Dozens of mergers amongst hospitals and medical practices are the side effect of the healthcare law change five years after the Affordable Care Act. The pace of consolidation is accelerating. You have to own some stocks that are tied towards healthcare. Aetna, Humana, Cigna. Find a good hospital to own. Um, if you've ever gone into a dentist office, doctor's office, uh, a hospital, they're not exactly cheap. Uh, one of the richest people I know is my dentist. Um, as far as doing it yourself, definitively. As far as getting stock options, maybe not. But you see the Affordable Care Act has been a big trigger in the healthcare industry. And getting bigger has just made the uh, the margins important um, because the volume is is so large. The way I explain that is, you know, semiconductor giant Intel. Um, nothing they they can do makes is going to matter. It's the margins on what they produce that matters at this point in time because they dominate PCs. Um, now there's. Another way you could look at it and say, well, they're not so good at mobile, but that's fine. I'm just trying to give you one quick example. Capitalism is all about maximizing profit. A lot of people believe that. Um, And it's one of the reasons I'm investing in the United States. One of the reasons I'll continue to invest in the United States. Um, I don't get into polarizing thoughts. I just look at, like, the numbers. Um, I don't believe in crocodile tears. I don't believe in uh, greed and fear. I, I very much so just look at the numbers. So you got to own some healthcare stocks or a healthcare index like the Vanguard Healthcare Index that is incredibly cheap and has an incredible track record. So I told a broker advisor before today actually on any stocks mentioned on this show. Um, what else should we talk about? Volkswagen, their CEO got the old can. Uh, stock was down 20%. Phony results tied towards the Environmental Protection Agency and uh, emissions on some of their uh, diesel vehicles. It's a problem that they're going to have to fix. If you own a VW diesel, you don't have to fix it. They'll fix it. It's not against the law for you to drive it, uh, but they will have to fix it. And that ain't going to be cheap. And their image is hurt. Um, I remember in maybe fourth grade, I must have said something to piss off a fourth grade girl. And I remember her pulling my hair back and slapping me. And everyone in the class saw it. And my image was destroyed. Um, I couldn't have bought a friend right then if I needed to. Because obviously I said something obnoxious. And image is important. It's critically important when you're talking about uh, automobiles. Volkswagen's going to have to come out with a commercial that, you know, 
fix things. Right? And that ain't going to be cheap. In the end, where are they going to go out of business now? And that's why you may want to consider buying them. Because the demon known right now could get a little bit worse. But it's tough to imagine. Walt Mossberg is raving about the iPhone success, and they're sold out. So the iPhone success goes on sale at retail this Friday, and the street's tuning up its models uh, for what it expects in initial sales. Walt Mossberg said the biggest fundamental change here, and the thing that may become a core feature on iPhones going forward is they've actually added a pressure-sensitive screen. And that gives you a whole new range of navigation. They brought out Multi-Touch 2007. They're saying, press the screen, you'll find navigation faster. It's a big deal. He says the 5S was significant. This might be more significant um, than Touch ID because this 3D Touch thing opens a whole new vista of, of Apple and its developers can do with it. Um, so he thinks it's a big deal. The cameras are better and the Touch ID is like amazingly fast. You don't even have to lock the screen now. And the phone, the button, you know, you could use the button to wake it up from sleep. It's so much faster. Um, so he's raving about the speed. Um, when asked how it compares with Samsung, Samsung is a great company. He said their phones are quality products, but Samsung does not control the software panel and the software platform and hardware platform. They cannot unify these things. Apple does. That just makes an enormous difference. Uh, on 3D touch thing, you can't just do that with software. That had to be an engineer with a new layer under the screen and a layer of software on top of that. So Mossberg is in love with the iPhone, and he's a pretty uh, – farmers in America will read his reviews and say, well, if it's a good phone, if he says it is, then I'm going to get it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. There's continued concerns about China today as commodities are retreating. Don't forget, tomorrow I will be giving away some Disney on Ice tickets. Um, so hopefully you'll be listening for that as well. Um, anytime I can get free giveaways for you, I'm, I'm thrilled to do it. Um, the SP 500 is down 30, the Dow is down 250, the NASDAQ down 94. It's not a good day out there. It's gotten a little bit better from the opening, but um, that's what we have. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Uh, listen to the show, follow it on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Sign up for my Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, or my Cron 4 Rob Black page as well. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.